Hello everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Reliving the Extreme. We've been on a little summer hiatus the past couple of weeks, and uh, this episode dropping not on the normal Saturday that we normally drop, drop dropping midweek, which is unusual, but it is what it is. Uh, but we want to welcome everybody back to Reliving the Extreme. Nate Maxson here with you, and before we get to the shizo, I want to do some plugging here. Uh, first of all, if you are not a friend of Chad Austin on Facebook, friend Chad on Facebook, send him a friend request. Chad Austin Demera is the name that you want to look for. And that way, Chad can invite you to his group, Chad's Video Vault, where Chad would be willing to make you DVDs of pro wrestling from any era. Anything you're looking for, you can ask Chad if he's got it, and he will make that for you and get it to you in a timely fashion. Again, be Chad's friend on Facebook, Chad Austin Demera, and join Chad's Video Vault. For your wrestling content, do it. And also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention, check out WrestleNet Radio 24-7, 365, Pro Wrestling Talk. All you have to do is go to the Google Play Store and search for WrestleNet Radio. I believe you can search one word or two it comes up either way. Download the app, and uh, you can hear episodes of this show, episodes of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, the Asylum Wrestling podcast, uh, the Tornado Tag podcast is coming soon also, and plenty of original shows like If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking with Mr. Archie Mitchell. So that being said, let's get started reliving the extreme. This time around on Reliving the Extreme, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing the episode of ECW from February the 15th, 1994. We know you've missed us as we've been on a little summer hiatus here, but we are back. This is Nate Maxson, and of course, my brother Aaron is here. Hello. And ECW's own Chad Austin rocking the kiss shirt just for Aaron this week. You can't see it, folks, but we can. The great, the great um, Chad Austin. The great Chad Austin and the great kiss. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I also got a Kiss Destroyer shirt too, just for Aaron. But I wore that yesterday. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, anything we want to discuss before we get into the show this week? I know since the last time we had the show or did the show, we've had some some devastating losses in the wrestling community. Um, the Assassin, Burt Prentice. I know, Chad. You said you work. Did you work for Burt Prentice or with Burt Prentice? Yeah, I worked for him. He didn't like me. Oh, really? Like, I, I was in a doghouse from day one. <laughs> because the day I got there, because I knew I knew I wasn't going to make any money there. Mm-hmm. So I saved up, I saved up like a couple grand just so I knew I was going to starve. And the first night I was there, I, I, I asked his top baby face, which was Brian Logan. Remember mm-hmm. him? Yeah. He wrestled under the name Christian Devereaux. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, look, I got a, um, let's, let's go, let's get a hotel. I'll pay for it. And then we went, we went out on the town that night, and we went down to Beale Street, and we got all banged up. I mean, we were dancing at B.B. King's bar like, with, mm-hmm. the, with the dancers and stuff, and he got so drunk, he called his wife in the middle of the night, and his wife was so pissed at him that she said, you better get your ass home. And so literally, he packed up his shit and left to go home, and then I went down to the front desk, and I was like, why are my bags down here? And the guy goes, well, because the guy you were staying with, he left. And I had to call Bert and tell him, hey, man, uh, Christian left. <laughs> and literally, like, ever since that day, all I do is jobs. First impressions, right? <laughs> like, he, he was going to push me because I had worked for Bert sporadically. Like, I would do trips down there just to I would work, like, uh, with Ian. Mm-hmm. Ian would book, like, um, you know, like a couple of weeks down there. I'd fly to meet Ian and we would drive to a bunch of shows and most of them were Burt shows and Burt loved me because I was an ECW guy and I did that flippy floppy shit. Right. So he was all looking forward to me coming down there to start working for him. And then the first night I chased his top baby face away. <laughs> so I knew I was in a doghouse from then. And, you know, I probably, if I wouldn't have done that, I bet you I could have stayed for the whole entire run, you know, right. the show, mm-hmm. of the, the company. But after about 10 months, 11 months, I think I started early in the year. And then come December, he was like, look, I only have one date for you for December. So instead of firing me, he did what Memphis did. To they start started, 
they just starve you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I have enough money to stay here, but if you only have one date for me, you know, what's right. the sense? Well, at that point, it's probably better for you anyway if you were just getting jobbed out every day, every week. Well, you I, know, I didn't but... give a shit because I, I, my whole, like, one of my, one of my wrestling goals were to wrestle like a territory that wrestled every day of the week, mm-hmm. you know? So I like, yeah. I like that, like living on the road, you know, going, you know, going to Evansville on Wednesday, you know, working for Lawler on the weekends, right? Lawler, Lawler and, and um, fucking Randy fucking Crackpipe was uh running spot shows, so <laughs> I, I'd pick up shows on the days that Bert wasn't running. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bert didn't like me, but I just like working for him because it was every day of the week, and you know, and he yeah. didn't, he, he didn't even pay me the guarantee, like he was guaranteeing me Memphis money, the forty bucks a night. I don't think I got it once. Getting the stiff there. Well, then, of course, I mean, unanimously, everyone is devastated by the passing of Bobby Eaton. And what I wanted to ask you, Chad, is um, I know he, we're going to, I mean, we're going to see it eventually watching the show. He he made a, maybe one TV taping for ECW. I think it was in 94 when Arn Anderson came in. Did you get to interact with Bobby? Did you get to? To... Yeah, I, I was there. They didn't. I don't. I don't think they used me on that show because that was when mm. worlds collide. Right. Oh, they ain't the ice cream man this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the argument of neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> they just know I'm doing a show, so they figured the ice cream man in here, so they're just gonna hawk horns. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Bobby. I mean, Bobby. At one time, this is this is not a rib or this is not a joke, but because you know Bobby couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Well, the. The Maryland State Athletic Commission thought that he was fucked up, and really? they told him that he couldn't work the show because they <laughs> they thought he was so fucked up because the guy couldn't understand what he was saying. So he's like, "You're not working tonight," and and everybody was like, "Why?" And they were like, "Well, he's clearly fucked up," and <laughs> we were like, "No, he's not." <laughs> he, he and then so yeah, he he could do the autograph signing, but he couldn't work. But mm. let me tell you, that night that Bobby came out at um, when worlds collide because. He wasn't the first guy. It was Arn the Arn was the first guy, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Bobby was the second surprise. Yes. So like the place went banana when um Arn came out, and then when Bobby came, because I think they did the same deal like Paul always does with the lights going out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Bobby Eaton was there, and like the place just went double ape shit because you got Arn and Bobby in the ring at the same time. And, it, and and yeah, I mean, he he was one of them guys that um, you know, you know how I don't know, you don't know about the business, but one of the first things they teach you in wrestling school is when you go into a locker room, you shake everybody's hands, right? And Bobby was like, he'd do the deal where he would shake your hand and put his other hand on you, like the outside of your hand, like you know, like to meet you or something <laughs> like that. I don't know what he said, but I think it was nice to meet you. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, and, and we had him in Maryland that one time, mm-hmm. and other than that, no, I, I mean. I know I worked on a Smoky Mountain show that he worked on, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, we had separate locker rooms. Right. You know, the stars and the not stars, the, the enhancement talent. So it was like me and Chris Hammer. <laughs> well, like my- the only two people. And um, what's his name? Um, the Gambler. The Gambler. Yeah. We were, <laughs> we were like the only two people in that locker room. My, my sentiments on the, we can't wrestle podcast were in, in, um, people all have their favorites. They have their opinions, et cetera, et cetera. There are the great tag teams. There are the greatest tag teams. Or, there are great tag teams, and there's great tag team wrestlers. Me personally, I think Bobby was the greatest tag team wrestler. He may not have even all the Midnight Express may not have even always been my favorite team, and he may not have always been in my favorite thing. But like body of work, watching him work as a tag team wrestler for me as a Mark sitting there watching it, he's my favorite tag team wrestler of all. Well, I mean, who who had better chemistry with a tag team partner than Bobby? Right. You know, you can I mean, put, yeah. I think his chemistry with Dennis was better than Stan, but mm-hmm. I think his chemi- his chemistry got got great with Stan after a while. But right. but for my money, I would say him and Dennis. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and even I mean, even later on, I really enjoyed his team with Regal. You know, they meshed at first when they first put them together, you didn't think they would mesh well together. And then you watch and they, they were really, really fucking good together too. I think. Yeah. I like, I, I mean, I like anything that Bobby did. I mean, and, and then we can't, we, we can't brush over the fact that Jody Hamilton mm-hmm. died too. Yes. Like yes. he, he's the guy that booked me for WCW. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so when I got there and I talked to him, because he, he he did he he sat what what would be in W in WCW's um, locker room would be the gorilla. And we started talking, and I started bringing up Georgia, and he was acting like I was too young, <laughs> like to even know whatever you know. Right. And I'm I'm, t- I'm talking to him about all this shit, and then he's and then we just talked for like I don't know a couple of hours. I think like three quarters of the show went by. <laughs> And I don't think he even did his job because we were just talking about like the whole entire like Georgia loop, you know what I mean? Uh huh. Kind of thing. But yeah, um, do you think do you think he attacked Dusty already? <laughs> like, did he have the Did he have the mill or the uh, the what the mill mask, Chris mask, or whatever on the the luchador mask when he got there and attacked Dusty from yeah. behind? <laughs> I, I can just see like up there in heaven, like Dusty's up there, and all of a sudden the assassin comes in. And like jumps them from behind, and I'm just like, damn, man. Well, me, like, me not being me not being a hundred percent. Like going back and watching stuff now, but not having seen it before. One question I have, because I know you're familiar, especially with Continental and stuff, is I I guess I if I've never seen why, then I plead ignorance. But the, was, was there a a storyline reason that at times he would wrestle instead as the Flame, or was that just no, that was that was just, that was supposed to be a whole different character. Okay, okay. like everybody knew it was the same guy, right? <laughs> That's why I asked because I'm like, it's perfectly obvious it's the same guy. Like they didn't even try to <laughs> to to make it any different. But well, the the, the best part was is that um, on the spot shows, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Jody. It would just be some fat schlub. <laughs> they just threw an assassin's mask on and called him the assassin. Because <laughs> I'm watching it going. That's not fucking Jody Hamilton. Who is this? this is like, I just, that guy just fell over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Jody could kind of work, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, they yeah. got some, just some job guy to do it. But yeah, that, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a rough week and mm-hmm. I can't believe that my name hasn't made the list yet. <laughs> I can't believe that I'm still here. <laughs> and, and then after all the, after all the WWE cuts and all that other stuff, like we were talking about earlier, I think that I think that all that's going to be left is going to be a three-hour marathon of people chasing our truth for a twenty-four-seven title because they're just getting rid of <laughs> they're getting rid of everybody to the point where it's just going to be like a show where everybody's just running around the building chasing our truth. All the agents, Adam Pierce is chasing them around. They're still there. John Laurinaitis, they're chasing Ad, around our truth. Adam Pierce sure has a lot of pull there. Yes, you know, <laughs> people were just making their own matches. <laughs> all right, well. Passed Aaron, any reports dead too? Yeah, Marky Post passed away. Like, so yeah, that's is a it rough just one. is it just John is John Larroquette and Marsha Warfield the only two still living? The guy I'm not even sure Marsha is. Marsha Warfield, so yeah, she's still both still alive. Is he? I thought he was dead. I, I can Google. Sorry, that. I'm sorry, I had him in an early grave. If he didn't, but I thought he was. I thought he was passed on. All right, well, there's we're, Aaron. Unless you have anything else, we'll we'll nope. get to. All right. Head into this show here. It is December, August, whatever, right, Chad? February 15th, <laughs> 1994, ECW. Might well August, because I, I don't think the show's got any better until 95. <laughs> we start off with a recap of uh, the situation between Terry Funk and Shane Douglas at the hotel. Um, they, The WWE Network, or Peacock, or whatever the hell, they had... Uh, some weird music for this intro. Like the first thing I thought was, "Christ, that's weird music." What is that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, because it's been so long since we we've, we've done this show, and I wrote my notes. I, I did write awful music, <laughs> and that is over highlights from the night the line was crossed. Then we get an interview or an interview, an intro from Joey Styles about the press conference, just talking about that. And then I know we're flashing through this, but that's kind of what they did too. Jay Sully is with Todd Gordon to announce the main event for the March 5th ECW show at the arena. The board of governors of the NWA (laughs) says that Shane Douglas will get the shot at Terry Funk. And man, Todd Gordon is in full puberty mode during this segment, isn't he? He's super butthurt that they told him that he had to do it. Like, he wanted somebody other than Shane. He's crying like a little bitch. It's kind well, who, of, is the, it, who is the NWA going to pick besides him? Gordon yeah. wanted Sal Balomo, probably. Or Tommy Cairo. Tommy Cairo. And then so, we got, I mean, okay. I, I, I just wrote, like, oh, boy, Jay Sully. And, and, then, and, then when, and then when Todd 
when Todd went on that rampage and he just said he was disgusted with Paul and then he said he was disgusted with Jay Sully, I wrote, Todd is like us. <laughs> he, he's just had enough of Jay Sully. <laughs> like he's like a he's like herpes. <laughs> he just he might go away for a couple of weeks, but he comes back. <laughs> just when he, he's like uh, he's like Hunter Q. Just when you think he's gone, yeah, they bring him on back, comes yeah, back time, up again. How many times have we mentioned that? Like back in the earlier shows, when we just thought like, oh, this is the last we're gonna see of yeah, uh, old, old fucking. Breath. It's like trying to throw away a trash can. They, they just keep they just keep leaving it on the curb. And yeah. Jay, Jay Sully and, and Hunter Q just keep showing up in their '77 Granada together. Yeah, they, uh, they, they split they split trans. And they're both making like 20 bucks a night. You get the trans, I'll get the burgers. We'll head, to, head on down to the ECW arena. Or no, All right. Hunter will get the coffee. <laughs> That's what his breath smell like. Like four-day-old coffee. Sully looks like he picked up a couple trans in his life. <laughs> okay. All right. We go back to Joey Styles, And on the screen behind us, Chad Austin is headed to the ring. Um, what was I? To have a contest with Shane Douglas. That never gets started. I don't even remember this, guys. I, I, really? <laughs> I literally, I remember the other incident that I had with Shane. But when I saw this, I literally was like, I don't remember this, you know? And I'm thinking like, I, I'm trying to think like, what happened during this? And then as soon as 911 came out and grabbed me, I was like, oh, that's why I don't remember it. Because it, it, didn't, it, it didn't really didn't actually happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what, like Chad he, said, 911. He, he, he just pulls you out of the ring like a baby and it's over. Like, it's like he's going yeah, to did, did you see how good I went over the top rope, though? Yeah. Like, when, like, when he just grabbed me, I kind of like launched myself over the top rope because 911 <laughs> is so lame, you know? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm sure he was blown up from the walk to the ring wearing like 250 pounds of cowhide that he, he was blown up when he grabbed me. So that's why I had I had to help him had to help him out of the ring. But after 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 that happened, I realized that quite possibly me versus nine one one could be the hottest feud in ECW. <laughs> right now, it probably is. Yeah, because it, it it went on about as long as Raven and Richard, I mean, Raven and Dreamer. So many things revolving around it. Yeah, yeah. It's like no matter no matter who I was wrestling, nine one one had a problem with. So so he would run in. And choke slam them, and then it would just leave me. And then it's like, and then when you when you hear him choke slam me, how many times did you hear the crowd say one more time? You know, and then it's one mm-hmm. more time. I'm going, no, no more time. <laughs> you know, he's not capable of doing it one more time. <laughs> That's what the crowd should have been yelling. Not capable of one more time. <laughs> Like please, please stop. After after the uh, the altercation with nine one one and Chad Sabu comes out and attacks Shane Douglas. And when this got started up, I was like, "Oh shit, are they having a match?" Like it didn't start out like a fight. Like it to me, it started out like I expected him to start doing uh, hammer locks and shit. Like the way that this fight started, I, like it, I thought it was a match for a minute. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I was like, "Okay, Sabu's wrestling Shane Douglas. Here we go." Yeah, and then they just they brawled like it was a match, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like they they were in the ring, they were out of the ring, they were back in the ring, and it was just like I'm just waiting for like John Finnegan to be like ring the bell, yeah, ring the fucking bell, let's do yeah. this, you know? Yeah, that that was that was kind of crazy, man. I mean that that, that brawl was I, I thought it was a pretty good brawl. I mean, what did you think? I did, I did too, and I think that you know we have a bunch of the pretty much the locker room empties to come out and break these guys up. You see, oh. you know, you see Hack Myers out there, Mister Hughes, and Rock and Rebel, and Everybody comes out to break it up, but it's it was very effective. In yeah. uh, of why? course, <laughs> why, oh, yeah. why do you think it was? Because you had Rock and Rebel and Donnie Allen out there trying to break up. Sabu. Well, you always you you always know the fight's intense when the when the uh, what do you want to say lower card guys are coming out to break it up. Well, you, you can know? just say because I'm I'm not offended by it, and <laughs> I I I'm I get pissed off when I hear people saying. Oh, you can't say the word jobber. Like, that's what you were. You know what I mean? It's not offensive to me because that's what I was. You know? I was paid to go do TV and get beat up on TV by the star and make them look good. So that was my job. So therefore, what's the, um, what, adverb, I guess it is? <laughs> jobber. It's, it's jobber. So, yeah, I, I don't get offended by it. And when I hear these snowflakes nowadays say that, oh, don't call them jobbers, I'm like, 
what the fuck do you know? You know, do you even have a pair of boots? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who are you to tell, you know, tell me that I'm not a jobber. I'm a jobber yeah. and I'm telling you I'm a jobber. And proud of it, right? Well, like you said, though, like the, the, Somebody for somebody to do that to play that role in a wrestling promotion, especially on a consistent basis, because I know you said you said numerous times on this show, ECW had the best jobbers. And by saying that, what I read into what you're saying is we had the best enhancement talent to put over the main guys and look make them shine so they're the main guys. You know, that's it's a there's a talent in that. Yeah, because Philadelphia, Philadelphia to me had some of the best. Like I considered almost all the Philadelphia guys, minus a, a handful. I I considered all of them underneath guys, not quite jobbers, mm-hmm. but underneath guys. You know, so you know maybe Sandman, but you know Sandman didn't become Sandman until later on. But he was still getting kind of pushed a little bit. But he wasn't any good. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It wasn't like he was a, a he wasn't Bret Hart out there. Right. Well, yeah, I thought we had, I thought we had, I mean, I don't know, maybe five or six guys. And then when Mikey came in with the ring crew and he had, then he had Paul Loria mm-hmm. and um, Stormin Mike Norman. Yeah. <laughs> like they, these were like a handful of the guys that we had. So we had a better crop of um, job guys than a lot of the independents did because Philadelphia had was like, it, it was better than Baltimore. Like it's a good thing that they were in Philly and not Baltimore. Because at the, at that time the Baltimore the Baltimore guys were just dreadful. <laughs> just I'm talking, they were wretched. They were rotten. So if it was in Baltimore, it would have been terrible. And hacked from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure that I got hacked the job because I think Paul asked if we knew anybody else. Because I think Paul was getting tired of just beating you know me and Mikey yeah. and Paul. And we already we already beat fucking Herbie Ernesto in the powder. So yes. <laughs> yeah, you know. Stan Hansen took care of that. <laughs> so, so he's gone. So it's just like, do you know anybody? And then when I told Hack, I was like, hey, we need somebody for TV. And he had just developed the Hack Myers character. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to be a job guy. But I'm like, Hack, this is your way in, you know? Right. Because you have a good you, you have a good look. You know, it, it's something different. That maybe after Paul sees you, he might find something for you. And look what mm-hmm. it did for him, you know? Yeah. It made it he's clear. actually he's on this show here coming up in a little bit. Oh, he is? Um, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, what did you think of the, the fight and the breakup and all that before we roll to the next segment? I enjoyed it. And um, I think it was, like, obviously effective because, it. I mean, it's something that we all unanimously, unanimously I can't speak. No sure. um, yeah. It's all something that we all <laughs> thought was good stuff so i mean it was what it was and it helped further along the uh three-way between douglas shane and terry funk i i really like i really like how paul built that whole entire thing mm-hmm. that how he, he would he would he would do a week where it'd be like sabu and funk you know and they like they would brawl and then they were still running with sap with funk and douglas you know and then how they tied in shane with sabu like I just thought it was just good, you know. Good, yeah. Because it wasn't hot shotted. And Terry Funk's not probably not going to be there every week, you know. So it gives Shane and Sabu something to do, something to do, since Terry Funk's probably not there that week for that tape. Right. At this time, isn't he? Is this when he's working WCW too? Has he gone there yet? Ninety four. Yeah, because there's a time where he's working ECW and WCW at the same time. Yeah, because close. it's getting close. Yeah, wasn't he at Slamboree like that year? Yes. Yeah. And That's then, when that started. Yeah. yeah. So probably about a month. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. They just needed somebody. To, they just needed somebody in between Funk. Mm-hmm. Bobby wasn't there, so it, it, everything just worked. All the pieces just fell into place. You know what I mean for that that program, and I, I thought it was done well, and it was a great build, and, and it paid off clearly. Mm-hmm. The next deal we have is they're hyping the show for the fifth of uh, March. Of course, it's Shane Douglas versus Terry Funk. You got Mister Hughes versus Road Warrior Hawk coming up on that show. You know what word's coming up after that? <laughs> and Sabu <laughs> versus Mike Awesome is also going to be. On that show, um, we get a p- promo from Paulie that I thought was pretty good about Shane Douglas. He's just talking about Shane being the most wanted man in wrestling. You know, I've talked to people in Atlanta. I've talked to people in New York. I've talked to people all over the NWA. Um, just a standard. In, in Minnesota, he called Vern. Or Vern called him. <laughs> called Vern. <laughs> Vern. Vern was thinking about starting to back running up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Needed Shane on top. And now, a tag team match. Go to Jim Barnett, but that's a totally different thing. Oh, my boy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did, didn't, we get a, didn't we get a Damien Demento promo? I don't think so. Oh, no. I got Damien Demento and then a Paul promo, and then I have the tag team match. So if you watch I don't remember. Did you guys miss that or something? Because there's, you watch no way, there's no way I just wrote down Damien Demento's name. Did you watch <laughs> it on YouTube? No, I watched it on the network. Uh, I didn't write any of that down. No, I don't have anything about Damien Demento. <laughs> well, I mean, apparently I was thinking about him. <laughs> <laughs> because his name, his name in ECW, remember when he wrestled in that Eddie Mansfield company? Mondo Clean? Yeah, like mm-hmm. his, name in, his name in ECW was 3D, and he wore a mask or whatever. But anyway, I didn't even... I didn't even know he was in ECW, so I well, just learned something. He wasn't in ECW very long. <laughs> <laughs> the the Pauly promo, I thought was like I said, that's a good promo. Uh, Pitbull and Rock and Rebel with Jason, of course, against J.T. Smith and Tommy Cairo here in a tag team match. Which I mean, it was pretty basic. Joey Styles did call Rock and Rebel the nastiest man in ECW. Well, I don't know what this. Probably, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> out of all it's the guys, the man left, yeah. Out of all the guys that were there, he was probably the biggest legitimate dick because that was kind of like his gimmick, mm-hmm. you know, because I worked with Chuck a bazillion times and that's that was his gimmick. He was sarcastic, you know, so he was a, he was a he was a perfect dick. But yeah, Aaron and he, this, this was a classic. I tell you that <laughs> a, ba- a basic classic. Aaron, anything on this match here? No, they didn't really do. I mean, it, they didn't do anything offensive, but they didn't do anything that was right home about it. It's just a basic tag team match and Smith and Cairo win. Yeah, but it's but it's not it's not indicative of what ECW it you know was yeah. or is. It was kinda like this is going backwards. Yeah, I was about to say this is Cabrini ish. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. th- I said that match must have cost Paul seventy five bucks. You know, with all four guys. <laughs> that was Jason's suit. Was- yeah. <laughs> after after he returned it and got his um deposit back. <laughs> Paul Pete. Paul paid off four guys. <laughs> after after another hype package for the March 5th show, we have a promo with Jason and Mr. Hughes. The line here, Jason, it says, how do you like... He doesn't say suit. I swear he didn't say suit. I, ser- I swear he said, how do you like my sweat? No, he did. Okay. He, said, he, says, how, he, he says, how do you like my gold? How do you like this suit? And then he rubs himself and goes, how do you like this sweat? That's wow. fucking interesting. It's like you are nasty. Like he's the nastiest guy in ECW. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if I said it on the show, but yeah, he he did some shady shit. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, he even borrowed my truck one time for him and Angel to go buy crack. Jesus, and and I didn't know it. He just asked if he could borrow my my car to go like go somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when they came back, they were smoking crack, and I'm I'm, I'm like Jason. You fucking use my car. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to Burger King or something. Yeah, yeah, like because there is a Burger King like right up the street from the arena, and I'm thinking like I thought you were taking my car to get food. You know, like here's here the cops are seeing my car. You know, in the in the in the hood of South Central Philadelphia. Like now I got to leave here. (laughs) You know, I'm afraid they're going to pull. Not that I did anything wrong, but you know, yeah, that that was that was fucked up, man. Mr. Hughes cuts his promo, of course, a standard Mr. Hughes promo. He's from the hood in Kansas City, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And guess uh, Road what, Warrior Hawk. Guess, guess what name he has to drop in every, every promo? The Undertaker. He has to yes. bring him yes. up every time. I'm better than the Undertaker. Yeah, <laughs> he, he buried the Undertaker. Undertaker beat your ass in like three minutes on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he scooped your ass right up. <laughs> and drops you right on your goddamn head. <laughs> yep on the on the right fist on the right hand he's got the Undertaker and on the left hand he's got Lex Luger. If he can drop one of those two names, it's a winning yeah. promo for Mister Hughes. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, man, that for as big as big of a problem as Mister Hughes was in the locker room, that guy could work, man. For, for yeah, him. for some yeah, for his for, size. What do you think he was? Three fifty, easily. And then he threw that drop kick. Mm-hmm. Like that was impressive as all hell from a guy who's all fucked up. He's wrestling in dress pants and a shirt. You know, yeah. he's just, <laughs> like that and, was crazy. And, and the sunglasses hardly ever came off. Good for him. Cal- I think Good he for got him tattooed on his face. Then they recap the Tommy Dreamer Jimmy Snuka footage from last week. 
um, with Dreamer kicking out of the Superfly Splash, which was kind of weird, the placement, I guess, because I figured the next match would be after the Hughes promo, but that is what it is. It doesn't matter. That's semantics. We have Mr. Hughes, and I think this might be, other than the pull-apart brawl earlier that we saw, is this the first time we've seen Hack Myers on ECW? Aaron? Uh, I'd have to go back and check my notes. Yeah, not, I don't, I don't sure. think, I, I don't think other than maybe Hack would have, Hack may have been there, like mm-hmm. in the locker room, but maybe not used. Because wasn't he part of the pull apart yes. at the hotel? Yeah. Uh, at the hotel, I don't know. I know he was part of the pull apart we saw earlier today. He was at the hotel. But, okay. Yeah, but the dreamer, the dreamer snooker recap, I also thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You could just tell that Paul was building to something kind of thing, and any you know, even though the production was still shitty back then, kind of, and all that stuff, like Paul did a great job of leading up to building to the next show. Kind of, yeah. kind of thing, you know? Building the story, and the pacing's really good, too. He doesn't, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to, what do I want to say? He, he's not afraid to let something have a slow burn, as opposed to, you know, like, this This thing's been building. We built from Douglas, Douglas and Funk, and then, like you said, then they entered Sabu into the thing, and that went into a triple threat match, and now we're breaking it back down into a one-on-one match. And, yeah, the, the storytelling is really good here and really well-paced. You're not getting bored with it, and it also doesn't feel like it's moving too fast. Do you, do you think that's mainly because Sabu had to go back to Japan? Could be, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, they, they brought him in. He did his whatever, whatever, two weeks or whatever they did there. And then maybe he was due for another tour. So that's why they brought it back to Funk and Shane. Mm-hmm. Because Sabu wasn't going to be there. And Sabu didn't do promos, so it wasn't like you yeah. had to pre-tape anything. Yeah, Polly's doing all his talking for him, and half the time Sabu's not even next to Polly when he's talking for him. Yeah. Right. Because if they're <laughs> in that they're in that stupid room with the door that says whatever locker room. Like, really. I, I want to know where this locker room is that he speak of. It's actually kind of smart too, because Sabu wouldn't stand there for a promo. You know what I mean? Like his character at this time wouldn't just be standing there. Mm-hmm. The guy they got to strap to a board and shit. He's not going to stand there for two minutes while Paulie cuts a promo. Plus it's Paulie, so it's going to be five minutes. Right. <laughs> but I think, I think if I would have had like the quote unquote pencil, I would have did one of them promos where he was going to bring Sabu to the studio and halfway through the promo, you just see a chair fly through. Like, he was, like, throwing chairs, you know? And then you, then do it on Jay Sully. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And have Jay Sully just throw the microphone in the air and be like, I'm out of here. And, and we're all we're all throwing babies in the air. Like, fuck it. <laughs> Jay, Jay Sully's leaving. Show si- the show signs off with the camera panning back on Jay Sully's broken glasses. And that's the last you ever see of Jay Sully. <laughs> Unfortunately, week, I don't think next week. Let's, next week, point Sabu at Maddie in the house. Get rid of him too. <laughs> I thought. I mean, I like the. Uh, I, I like the Mister Hughes versus Hack match. I did too. Um, I thought Hack did a great job. He he sold really well for Mister Hughes, and like you said, Hughes. I mean, he had his working Hack shoes did. on here. You know, the drop kick. Yeah, but yeah, Hack did a great job too, selling for Mister Hughes and. Putting the man over like he was supposed to. Yeah, well, I think I think um I think Paul. I'm not exactly sure, so don't quote me on this number. Um, I think he was getting Mr. Hughes for 300 a night, which to me was a great value, because mm-hmm. I think at the at the time the going rate for Mr. Hughes was five. But I think because Paul would book him because we would do a Friday show, mm-hmm. like a spot show. So I think Mr. Hughes he just wanted to get paid. So I think he right. just lowered his um his pay scale just to, you know to get them two bookings. Because if he well, was, said five hundred, then Paul would have just brought him in for the, the one show. Well, you're right about value for the booking cost too, because I know we were joking about how he has to mention the Undertaker in every promo. But from a Booker's perspective, from a promoter's perspective, you are getting a guy that is fresh in the minds off of you know off of WWF television. People have seen him on national TV, and I mean even less than a year ago because he was in WWF around the King of the Ring in '93. And this is February of '94, so he's not too far away from being on national television. So that's 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 a name you can put on a on a program. I bet uh, he got Yeah. <laughs> even I put beat, that. I beat, I beat Chad Austin. <laughs> put that put that on your advertisement. Even the man that didn't beat the Undertaker but wrestled him, <laughs> Mister Hughes. But he beat me. The man who destroyed Chad Austin in shower shoes because I forgot my boots. <laughs> And that's all I had was them like aqua socks. So it's luckily I don't think the match aired. I don't think it did ever air because I was pissed. I actually legitimately was pissed 
because this is right around when Paul started pushing me, correct? Mm-hmm. Or I started getting a couple wins. And then when I saw my name against Mr. Hughes, I'm thinking like, oh man, now they're going to, they're going to job me out to like Mr. Hughes, like already. So I kind of was like, man, I don't you know. This is, you know, it, you know, it wasn't like what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought Hack did really good considering, like we said, if that's his first appearance there, then he definitely earned his spot, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And I have no idea what Paul said to him afterwards, but I'm sure Paul, Paul invited him back because I'm sure, because we were all getting, I think, a hundred bucks. So it wasn't like we were killing him on right. payroll. So, you know, Paul, Paul was writing checks or Todd was writing checks, but Paul would just reach into his pocket and just hand his hundred dollar bill. So it wasn't like coming out of HHG. You know, it was mm-hmm. coming out of Paul's pocket. So, yeah, and then he invited them back, and, you know, the rest is history. And I'm actually proud that Hack did so good that he got his opportunity. God bless his soul, man. I don't even know what I don't even know how he died because he wasn't a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know how he died. But when I heard that, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, terrible loss. Um, I, I actually don't know how he, what, what, how, what he passed up either, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. We got Joey Styles in the Eagles Nest now. Um, Jay Sully's back, and he's interviewing in the ring Sandman and Peaches, to which Jason, the Rock and Rebel, and the Pitbull come out to talk some shit to Sandman. And Jason and Sandman go back and forth, and this is the this is the Sandman gets shit thrown in his face to accidentally backhands Peaches. Angle. That was great. Yeah. I, I mean, I bet you he'd been wanting to do that for a long time. <laughs> and he, he 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 probably pitched the angle. But, you know, let's do an angle where you you you're Let me backhand uh, and yeah. then I just get to hit the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she did great. I thought, didn't she? I mean, yeah, she sold it like probably better than a lot of like non you know non professionals mm-hmm. did. Like she took that bump and just laid there like. Damn, this motherfucker just smacked me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> like a gum wrapper. Yeah, just yeah. down. Aaron, what'd you think? It was a good angle, and it's um, obviously Tom, uh, Sandman just leaves, and Joey claims that there's no way Sandman didn't know that he hit her, and Tommy Cairo comes out and takes her out, so it's the, it's, I don't think we're spoiling anything, seeing as those happened in like 90 fucking four. So <laughs> this is basically the, um, the setup for Sandman turning and actually becoming Sandman, so I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. So that, you think that's coming this soon? Yeah. It is? All right. I believe so. I thought we still had like, I thought it wasn't until at least 95. Well, I mean, this is, I, I mean, because doesn't Sandman still have a program with Cairo? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's about to not be the surfer Sandman anymore. He's about to actually kind of be cool, not like in his fucking onesie or whatever he wears to the ring. His onesie? <laughs> his, his rip curl, um, like a wetsuit that he he's from LA or whatever, but he fucking sounds like he's from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for that. I wonder why that, I wonder why that didn't work. Yeah, I, I bet you Paul couldn't wait to figure out a way to change him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I bet you he was like because because Hack would um not Hack Myers um Sandman, he he was interested in like sitting in on like production and all that shit. So I think since Paul took saw that he took an interest, sorry man, the mosquitoes here are brutal. Um, <laughs> that that Sandman took an interest in mm-hmm. you know how the show worked. Well, Paul's been you can see as you watch the show that Paul's been trying to change him anyway, because there was a few weeks ago, I forget which actual show it was that we were watching, but Sandman was doing something and he was in just pants and a t-shirt. And I thought, I actually said on the show, well, we're finally done with the surfer outfit. And then two weeks later, the surfer outfit was back. But I mean, you can tell as time's going on and stories are being told and things that Paul, you're definitely, you're definitely right. Polly can't wait to get him out of that lame gimmick. I, I wish they would have did a, a gimmick where they would have shown like in the parking lot, him pulling up in like a 68 VW bug van, you know, it, like, you know, the old van with the surfboard strapped to yeah. it, you know, like one of them gimmicks, like, oh, he just got in town. Like he lives in town. You know? <laughs> Where's the nearest beach in Philadelphia that has waves that you can, that you can surf at? All right. <laughs> so up next, like Aaron said, Tommy Cairo comes up to console Peaches and takes her out of the ring and out to the back. And now we have a tag match. If you want to, it's the Bru- the Bruise Brothers against Tony Stetson and Johnny Hotbody. Well, clearly you can see where 
you can you, you can see where Paulie what Paulie had in mind for hot body instead. Sam. Not much. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it just sucks that the Harris boys didn't. I don't know why. I I really still don't know why. I don't know why. It, it had to have been money, right? Hmm. Yeah, because they're not. I don't think they're there very long. No, they weren't. It, they did. They, they did like one of the next set of tapings. Mm-hmm. Because I know he, they, he st- they still had to beat up. They still had to beat up Bob Starr and Dwayne Gill that, that at at the tapings. So mm-hmm. I know they were there for at least one more set. I'm, I'm just so glad my name wasn't on that list. <laughs> like when I, I looked at the if I were to look at the, at the lineup and it said Chad Austin and Donnie Allen versus the Harris Boys. But even even if it didn't last long in ECW and if it was over money, because what they live in like Memphis, mm-hmm. so. Paul's got to pay for trans, and then he's got to pay him, and he they probably wanted way more money than I'm sure Paul thought that they were worth. Yeah, you know. So when when they left, I was like, dude, these guys are tailor made for ECW, but they always had Memphis to go back to, and, mm-hmm. and, if, and, if, and if it wasn't Memphis, they still had Smoky Mountain to go back to. That's what I was. Like, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, so it wasn't like they didn't <clears throat> have nowhere to work, and plus they worked for um, what's that company that that Gilbert booked in Japan? Wing. Yeah. Wing. Yeah. That yeah. was, was that the one that the, the, the headhunters wrestled for? Yeah, yeah, the one that, yeah, called, that okay. Victor Kionitz. Mm-hmm. Didn't he just pass, too? Or has he been dead? I think he's been dead. Uh, sorry, Victor. <laughs> I got a picture with him upstairs in my room now. Like, he was shocked that I even remembered him. I thought really? he knew who he was. <laughs> because he wasn't part of, the, of any of the shows. Mm-hmm. He was just an Asian guy. So when I asked him, I was like, hey, Mr. Kionitz, can I get a um, picture? And he's like... You know why? And I'm like, because I remember seeing you like, like a referee or whatever in the WWF in like 19 like 82 or something. You know, so yeah, I got a picture with him, and that was like a highlight. I, that, I really wanted to meet him. Like, I got to meet Victor because I figured that would be my way into Japan. Mm-hmm. If I, but I'm like, well, not the way Mr. Hughes treated me. <laughs> I'm not going to Japan with that fucking. <laughs> I noticed Bill After outside the ring during this match. Yeah. So apparently he was he was snapping some photos of ECW here. Um, was um was Linda there yet? The girl? I don't think so. So so is Sabu on? Is Sabu on this show? Well, yeah. He uh, well, if this is the same taping as uh, that would be next week, then yes, because I think next week they hyped that he said it was going to be Sabu versus Pat Tanaka. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I get to say Moses smell the roses. Like, <laughs> just, just, like, who can we, can we have a loser leave town match where no matter who wins, both leave him against Jay Sully? Like, <laughs> put Maddie in the house as the referee and the ref has to leave too. <laughs> they, all, yeah. they all have to leave. I mean, for Christ's sake, out loud. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I love the Harris boys, man. I just thought they were brutal. They they were t- they were perfectly they were perfectly designed for ECW, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I wish they would have stuck around longer. But dude, these guys are legitimately when they say six nine, it's really hard to comprehend how big six nine is because it sounds like it's big, but it don't sound like it's that big. But then when you stand next to them, they look like, like they're set like almost. Yeah, that's what they look like yeah. because and they're just so they, big. But there's two of them. And yeah, two and, of them. And you're kind of <laughs> like what? Well, I, I can say this honestly, and I mean, other than other, obviously, other than the Big Show, the Aaron and I went to, and what at the time I would have been, I don't know, fourteen, no, sixteen, maybe sixteen or seventeen. We went to a WWF house show in '96 and a WWF house show in '97, and I remember those two years because. The WWF house show in 96 that we went to, Sid was on that show. And at that time in my what life, he was, he was he was the most gigantic human being to me. Like, he was just like, Jesus Christ, this is the biggest human I've ever seen. And then, like Aaron said, yeah, Sid, he's just, I mean, insane. And then, or at that time. And then the Harris boys were on the show in 97 because at that time they were doing the DOA deal. And I remember thinking that same thing, like, man, I TV doesn't do them justice. No, it doesn't, man. <laughs> and, and and just that, if you could, if you could been, if you have been in the arena, like, I don't know what's, I think they came out to like heaven in a lot like Dixie or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when they came out and they, they did that Bruiser Brody esque, like ring walk, 
you're just like, dude, somebody's getting their ass whooped, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and clearly it's poor hot body and Stetson. Yes, it was. <laughs> and it's more hot body than Stetson because Stetson does a fantastic job when he runs away. It's so funny. <laughs> right? Like they get that shot of him and he's kind of looking back, but he just like, like, vanishes yeah. through the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, I, I've had enough of this. <laughs> Exit stage left. But yeah, that's that's the deal here. Stetson and Hot Body are, uh, you know, like Aaron said, Stetson pretty much leaves Hot Body to the big bad wolves, and the Harris boys beat the shit out of him. And uh, that double get the pin again was G. Yeah. damn, like they go all the way with it. Johnny, yeah, Johnny Hot Body's head is in Pittsburgh at this point. Um, <laughs> They're still looking for it. Yes, it's, it wound up at the Legends of Hamburg. It's on. It's on. A, it's, it's on a table there. If you want to see it. For 15 bucks, you can get a picture with Johnny Hotbox. And a signed do rag, yeah. Yeah, you can put it next to him. You can put it next to him, pointing at it. He's got a sign with He's got to hold the pen in his mouth. <laughs> Dude, I popped, so, I popped so huge earlier, Aaron, when you texted me that all the guys that got released. <laughs> <laughs> because it's still going on. <laughs> What's it been, two weeks now? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, the next match on the show is uh, Kevin Sullivan and Taz, the ECW Tag Team Champions, against the Young Dragons from San Francisco. Um, Clearly, they're Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, I-, I told Chad when, in our group chat for the podcast, I knew Mikey Whipwreck was one of these guys, but I was not sure of who the other was. And okay. you said it is Paul Loria, correct? Paul Loria, yeah. Because he was with he was with the ring crew with Mikey. Okay. So I mean, because that's another thing Paul was good at is Paul wouldn't just beat you as one person. You know what I mean? They, and then when he realized that Mikey had another outfit, it's like, well, I can beat you again. You know, as the Young Dragons. You know, and, and then you got Paul. Paul can work. You guys are putting the ring up. Might as well use you as much as possible, right? Mm-hmm. He's not paying them per match. He's paying them per night. Get your money's worth exactly right, and I mean, and, and they were they were great at taking beatings, mm-hmm. especially from Taz and and, and Kevin <laughs> Sullivan. So you know, it was just like, what a showcase for Taz and Sullivan to, to beat the stuffing out of these two goofs. Yes, I actually put my note. And my only notes on the match are Sullivan and Taz beat the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. That was the that was my that was my notes for the for the entire match. What, what was it? The last show where we said poor Mikey, like that mm-hmm. was the start of the poor Mikey era. Yeah. Where after after the next few weeks, after nine one one choke slams me in the powder, that they Paul was like, well, we got to quit killing this guy because I mean, you know, this guy's going to be crippled by the end of this program. That we got to move somebody else into this spot. All right, Aaron, anything on this one? Um, Sullivan does his little dance again before he hits the tree of woe. Like he does like a boogie boogie man, like knee knocker thing. It's like, I've never seen him do it <laughs> in any other promotion ever, but in like ECW, I, I don't you guys never catch it. But he's <laughs> oh, I know what you're saying. I know <laughs> what you're talking about. It's just too bad that it wasn't the boogie woogie man thing. Cause you know how Taz re- does whatever he mimics. He mimics whatever he does. <laughs> <laughs> he does Jimmy. Mercy, Daddy. Mercy, <laughs> Mercy, Daddy. <laughs> and then Taz, being from Tasmania, who clearly can't talk, but he can paint his face. He uh, he, he says, Mercy, Daddy. <laughs> it's the only English he knows, ladies and gentlemen. Boogie woogie man's taught him to speak. <laughs> And he loves the song "Guy from New York City." <laughs> yeah, or Abracadabra. No, that's Bugsy McGraw. <laughs> the essentially, we get another brawl with the locker room out here as the Bruise Brothers and the Public Enemy come out after this squash match. Um, lots of lots of brawls, lots of locker room, you know, breakups here on this show. Chaos. Is it? Is it? What do I want to say? Is it like Cornette says? Is it a hat on a hat having two? of the same type of segment in the same show. I'm posing the question just because I want to know opinions. I don't think it is because at this time it's ECW and it's something different. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to be honest. I really don't have much of an opinion on this mm-hmm. because at that point I was just so used to how Paul was changing stuff that nothing shocked me, you know, and everything was done. It wasn't like everything happened in that order, you know, Right, the right. shit was taped, and then Paul just went and edited everything to make it the way that he 
that he wanted it to be. So yeah, I'm I'm not surprised uh, that 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 the way that shit happened. But yeah, I guess I get what you're saying. It's just it's brawl after brawl after brawl after brawl. But that's because Paul was trying to make. I mean, the, like like you said, a hat on a hat, the proverbial chicken salad. Right. <laughs> like if if if, I, if if that's all I got to do is hide these guys' weaknesses by just having them just brawl. And then, you know, have everybody run out, then they're not going to see how bad the Rock and Rebel is. And does that make him, does that make Paulie, and I, I'm, I guess I'm posing this question to you, Chad, because I know what, what, uh, that you're such an Eddie fan, but does that make Paulie, do you think that makes Paulie a better booker than Eddie? At, because Eddie wasn't able to, to do that with, like we said, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't really doing the best with the talent he had when he was in here booking. Right, and right. it could have been. It could also have been about how where he was in his life and his personal life and everything at the time. Who Eddie? But yeah, I don't well, know. Did he just? I mean, he, I guess I'm, I'm talking in circles here. But just, I think Paulie's doing better, like you said, accentuating the positives and downplaying the negatives. Whereas Eddie wasn't really doing that. <clears throat> yeah, I think Eddie was just. Um, um, I think he was just kind of winging it, you know, and booking like. But but Eddie was the kind of guy who booked like. Months in advance, mm-hmm. he booked like Memphis, like you know, weeks and weeks in advance, and you know how shit changes. Yeah. And Paul didn't do that shit. Paul booked on. He looked in the locker room because we, had <laughs> big, we yeah, we had that big thing in the locker room where Paul's like kind of office was where he paid you at, and he would look over the railing and look down and go, "All right, we got um this guy and that guy, and then this guy and that guy." So we'll make everything happen like that, but. I think I think Paul was a be- I think Paul was a better booker because he saw like he booked he booked according to the crowd mm-hmm. like it wasn't it wasn't like I think Eddie would be the kind of guy that would just stick with something like if he booked it right that that was one of the things about Eddie and Puerto Rico with Dutch when they were both there working together mm-hmm. like Eddie would go to Dutch on on the beach and and be like hey the show's tonight and Dutch was like yeah he's like. What do you got? He goes, I don't know. And then Dutch would write the show. He's like, he Dutch, Dutch said he'd write the show while he was on the beach drinking rum. Like that night's show kind of thing. And yeah. Eddie didn't do that shit. He booked shit in advance. But in, in a territory like ECW, you really can't do that. I, right. I, I don't think you could. With talent coming in and out from, yeah, from week to week. and Yeah, and, and the yeah. talent that you had. Mm-hmm. So then at, to end the show, we have Public Enemy goofing and. Todd Gordon's office. At first, they act like they don't know the cameras there, and then they act like they know the cameras there, as they're looking for a piece of paper to see who gets the title shot at the at the March fifth show against Taz and Sullivan. And um, wasn't yeah, that guy. where wasn't that where Public Enemy and Taz and Sullivan like they argue over who can have a worse match? <laughs> like like you, you really can't hear what they're saying, but I, I can hear um, Rocco going, "Man, Johnny, I know we worse than them." No, we're worse than them. It has to be, right? It has to be. And there's no. That's what they were arguing about. <laughs> Mercy, and, Daddy. And then Johnny, and then you got Johnny going, man, Rocco. You know, I, I know we can do worse than them. <laughs> well, guys, overall, what did you guys think of this episode of ECW that we've just discussed? Um, I'm pretty much you've already said it, Nate. It, it was a lot of a lot of schmazes, you know, a lot of brawling, like not a whole lot of actual content, mm-hmm. and and there was what several promos pushing the um was it the March fifth show March or whatever it was show, kind yeah. of thing, which was it's kind of it, it's kind of cool because that's what you use your TV for as a platform to mm-hmm. push your big you know your big shows, but again the one thing I hate about the network is that they don't show you the shows that are coming up mm-hmm. like, you yeah. know, because they were at this point, Paul was running. I can't remember what the name of the place was. That's on the, that mountaintop that, um, Sandman threatened to throw me off of. <laughs> like literally it was, it was on a mountaintop and the locker room was overlooking like the mountain, like down to the mountain. Mm-hmm. And Sandman told me that if I didn't leave, that he was going to throw me over the, uh, the, uh mountain thing. <laughs> and then I, I went out and looked down and I just said, well, I ain't got time to change. <laughs> so I literally drove home wearing my wearing the same clothes that I was wearing in the ring, and I'm like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> I think I think that um, the last thing I'll say on this show is, and I keep 
to put it in perspective for somebody that maybe, I don't know, wasn't watching wrestling back then or is, is younger and listening to this show or what have you, it, the, the thing that to me, I try to, when I watch the shows, I try to think of the, that I'm watching this in 1994. And if I've got WWF, which the, 94 is absolutely positively the most abysmal, boring year for Raw in the WWF ever had. And then over on WCW, I've got Hulk Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom and all that cartoony shit going on. This right here is, that's why I don't know that the brawls, the, all the brawls on the show are a hat on a hat because it's something different. It's something more exciting and et cetera, et cetera. So Aaron, what did you think? It was, it was what it was. Nothing really happened on it, um, but nothing was really bad on it either. I mean, it just, it was just a basic show, I think. And they don't, they, they didn't really start anything because there's just everything that's already going on is just kind of like they they already killed they already killed me versus Shane. Yeah. I mean they had the start of a hot feud right there, but you know my arch, my my arch nemesis nine one one had to come out and ruin it for the people that hurt the crowd. Like oh the crowd was like oh we're here to see this Chad Austin Shane Douglas match and then hell yeah like, oh, I was a fate and switch what. So then, like, the whole rest of the night, the crowd was just dead because they were like, we came here to see Chad Austin versus Shane Douglas, and they fucked us. Well, you fucked uh, us, Polly. Honestly, I will say this. After a while, when I started to get pushed, like, a little more, and I, I stayed at the – back then before things got – before the gangsters, put it that way. <laughs> and we still had an account with the Radisson. Like, I would hang I would hang down, down in the lobby – a lot of fans would hang out there, and a lot of people were like, "Dude, we really like you." Like, and I'm like, "Why?" Because, you know, because they they liked the way that I bumped. Mm-hmm. They liked the way that I took it serious. You know what I mean? And you know, they like I pretty much they liked the way I got my ass whooped. Is pretty much what they were trying to tell me, right? And I'm just like, "Hey, at least you guys like something." <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So that was cool. All right, everybody. Other than that, other than that, I I agree with you, Nate. I think it was just um, you know, it was just a show to basically build up the um the fifth show without mm-hmm. giving you anything. Yes, yeah, without giving you yeah too much too without giving too much away. But you did get they did give us a little a little glimpse, a little preview of Sabu and Shane Douglas by having them have that brawl. So that was a nice touch. Um, I, still can't, I still can't figure out how I have Damian Amendo's name written on there. He must have been on there or something. Or maybe because they they put his name like on the crawler, maybe for a sh- I don't know or something mm-hmm. for a show. Maybe. Because I'm not I'm not going to randomly write Damien Amento's name. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he possessed you and at that moment and had you write it, so it's like he'd be mentioned on the podcast. This is well, the most Damien Demento's been talked about in 20 years. Well, believe me, my match with Damien Demento was his last, <laughs> at least in ECW, because after I worked him, Paul. Paul apologized to me. <laughs> he, he literally, he put me in the ring with Damien Demento because he thought that I would put, get him over, mm-hmm. like by bumping. But afterwards, Paul pulled me aside and said, put his hands on my shoulders and was like, Chad, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why? He goes, because he was awful. And I was just like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what do you want? He just threw me around. So <laughs> I, I don't know what you consider, you know, what you wanted. Yeah, he, he was pretty fucking awful, though. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> he was awful as Mondo Clean. Yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Well, we'll wrap up this edition of Reliving the Extreme. It was nice to get back with the boys here and back in action talking about ECW. Aaron, Chad, any parting words for our listeners before we say tally-ho for this week? Uh, I, don't think, I don't think I have anything to plug. Other than the hotel that I'm going to be staying at for the next probably two weeks, sequestered. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's going to be great when I do the when I do the next show from the hotel lobby, <laughs> and I, I go down there and I get all banged up, and I'm sitting there with a little my little tripod gimmick that I'm using right here, like in the lobby, and I'm yelling, "Fucking, you know, Jay Sully again." <laughs> um, you look at look across the bar, and there he is, Jay Sully. Yeah. At the oh, bar well, in Baltimore. There was a bar we were at in South Carolina that had Goldberg there. Didn't I text you that? Like the actual Goldberg? No, the guy, <laughs> oh. the guy thought he was Gold. He was like Goldberger. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I, I looked at him and I said, 
I looked at Jess and I said, is that Goldberg? Because I knew it wasn't. And she goes, and she knew that I would, I was going to go ask him. Like, <laughs> are you Goldberg? You know? And I walked over and he was like, no. And I was like, if you were, am I next? <laughs> can I, can I be next, please? But no, he's only got one more match left, and I don't remember who that's against. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's against Lashley. Oh, that's a doozy. Yeah. Aaron, any parting words for this week? Nope, just thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. We will see you next time around next week here on Reliving the Extreme. 